this is Brother Jerry, the pastor here at Friendship Baptist Church, and you are about to watch one of our messages. I hope that during this time that you would prayerfully listen. I hope that the Lord speaks to you, that he uses this message to help you grow. I hope you're able to experience God. I hope you're able to connect with him and connect with our church. I hope that you're able to respond to what he's doing in your life. I hope you enjoy. May the Lord bless you during this time.
good to see some extra faces I hadn't seen in a while. Y'all doing okay today? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, today's a good day. Today's the first Sunday in December, and I'm so looking forward to just all the joy and excitement and zeal that comes with December and Christmas, and uh, just to know that we have hope in Christ. And so I'm so thankful um, to just slow down a little bit and do that. You know that song, I'm going to uh, ask Mark after service if he can go in my office and translate the first course, the first verse, and see if he can do it. Can you do it? Oh, so you would, you would cheat is what you're saying. <laughs> Guess not. I got a couple announcements for us this morning. I'm really excited, too, about what we're starting on Sunday nights um, here in December. It's a prayer night, but there's a devotional that goes with it, too. And the focus is um, to, to really stand in the gaps for our families. And so as we start this, I'm going to explain a little bit later in the message, but we're starting this series with the names of God. And then so the devotional is going to talk a little bit more in detail about that name. So today's the wonderful counselor. And so we're going to have a devotional about God's counsel. And then we're going to pray that for our church, pray that for our lives, and then specifically we've reached out to 10 different families of our church and asked for specific prayer requests going on in their lives right now. What's going on in their lives that immediately needs prayer? And uh, that's okay to share with the rest of the church. And so we're going to go and, and pray for them families tonight. And then we'll actually pass out, this is my favorite part, we'll pass out these little prayer cards with our family's picture on them. And you'll get to take them and pray over them all week long and then reach out maybe with a text message and say, hey, prayed for you today. That way we're connecting our families together. We're lifting each other up in prayer. And so I really hope you take advantage of coming because it's a blessing to be able to stand in the gaps for one another. And so uh, you will be prayed for. We're going straight through alphabetically. If you um, have your information in our system, we will get to you. And so we're excited about that. Family ministry launch was last Sunday. You can go and look at that online if you want. Also, um, with that being said, if you weren't here last week or if you didn't get a chance to do it, we want you to pick up those packets. One of the packets for the faith at home and one of the packets that just, or brochures that just talks about um, what everything is. And you can talk to Jacqueline about exactly where that is, what you need to pick up. She'll help you. And then it helps explain exactly um, the, the next step for that. And so I want to work with you on that. But also there's a survey that we're asking you to, to fill out. I asked you all last week and I got one survey back that was from an 11-year-old. <laughs> so 11-year-old listened better than all you rest. Are you okay? So I want to ask you again. There's a survey back there that you can pick out, and it just walks through. There's one for students, one for kids, one for adults, and it's uh, a way for us as a church to say, hey, where are we struggling at, and how can we um, address those issues, whether it's praying at home together, whether it's reading the Bible together, whether it's uh, uh, just connecting together as a family. And so I'm looking forward to all those ways of, of, of connecting us in that way, and so I just hope you take advantage of that. 
special Christmas Eve service, so that will be on Christmas Eve on uh, the 24th, of course, at 4 p.m. It's a 30-minute service, super short and simple, but very um, special. It'll be a first-person uh, perspective again this year. Uh, I'm not telling you who yet because I'm not exactly sure yet. I'm still working on it. Um, but I want you all to take advantage of that with your families. What a, another time to celebrate as a family um, Christ. And so there you have it. There's our announcements. Sunday school is still not up and going yet. We're looking at maybe January, hopefully. And so um, keep uh, praying for us as we're kind of walking through that and getting back into a, a normal. And uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer now. Father God, Lord, you are mighty. You're a mighty God, Lord, and you, you're one that um, is so real and, and personal, God. And I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that over the next four weeks. God, just how real you are in my life and how real you are in the, the lives of, of each one here today, God. And Lord, if we don't know the realness of you, Christ, I pray that you use these next weeks, these next songs, these next time of being in your word to draw us to a place of knowing you. God, would you move miraculously in our hearts, encourage us, comfort us this year, um, Lord, as we need hope, Lord, uh, this Christmas. We need to know the joy that comes in Christ this December, Lord. We need this, God, and you have provided it. Your grace is sufficient, Lord, and we are going to lean in that together and trust you. And we're so thankful for being able to do that together, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, well, this is our first day anniversary song. Y'all sang with us, y'all know it. Brother Dwayne Neal, would you lead us in a prayer, please? Father, we 
Amen. All right, brother. All right. This is a newer song. Some of you were here, some of you weren't. So I would like y'all to stand up and praise with us. All right. If you know the words, sing it. If you don't, listen to them because they're powerful.
Christmas tree over here that just kind of snuck in on us. This is Sebastian. He's playing the drums. He can play the electric guitar and he can play the bass guitar, but he can't do them all three at one time yet. <laughs> but we're trying to get him to that point. And then Tristan's on the keyboard. Of course, Clayton playing the guitar. All right. Well, the next one is uh, we sang it last week first. It gets a little crazy. So about halftime, don't nobody know where they're singing, but y'all can sing along with us. Just throw something in there because it sounds good no matter what.
so great to be in your house, God, to lift up our voices to you, God, to worship you in heart and soul with song. Lord, we're just so thankful for all the blessings you bestow on us, Lord. We thank you for this day that we woke up today, Lord. We thank you that we live in this great nation. Lord, we just pray for this nation. We pray for our leaders. God, I just pray for Brother Jerry as he brings our message today, Lord, that just you will anoint him. Let him uh, speak the words that we're in need of, God. I just pray that we're listening and we hear you, Lord, and we always seek you in everything we do, God. All these things I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Aren't you maybe seated? Oh, you already sitting down. Uh, isn't it good that God's a wonderful, merciful Savior?
You know, this time of the year, it's easy to think about the manger, isn't it? You know, uh, you see it just about everywhere you go, and we had the privilege of going to the um, Athens parade last night, the Christmas parade, and it was just awesome to see all the different churches and even the companies, you know, uh, you see different manger signs and, and um, even reenactments, reenactments and things as you see the, the tractors and things go by. It was just precious to kind of slow down and think right here, we're watching um, what Christmas represents, the coming of Christ. And, and I just love that about December. And as I look at the manger, though, um, and I see that video, I think, you know, of course, I think of the name Jesus that's laying there, the baby Jesus. But what else? What other names come to your mind when you think of the manger, when you think of this, this baby that's come, that's not only man, but God himself to rescue us, to redeem us, to, to, to pay a price that me and you could never pay, to see the, this little baby in the manger and to recognize, yes, it's Jesus, but, but yes, it's also the Messiah. It's Redeemer, Rescuer. The one who brings hope, Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, you think about all the different names that comes to mind. And, and I was thinking about this as we we're just kind of working through these next couple weeks of the names of the born child. And so that's what I want to do. I want to take four different weeks and look at the names, the different names, four different names of the born child. Of course, I'm talking about Jesus, the baby being born, but the four different names that comes to mind. And you know, before I get there, though, a name's pretty important, isn't it? And I'm standing kind of close to the pulpit today. we got to get a new mic. My mic's been popping on me, and so I'm going to try to stand as close to this thing as I can so you can hear me. But I want you to, to think about this. A name's pretty important, isn't it? I mean, when you think about a name, it, 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 it helps you identify someone or something. If I was to call out a name, some things or someone comes to your mind. If I was to call out Miss Sharla, your eyes, she usually sets right around here, so your eyes kind of go to this direction. You can find her pretty pretty quickly. If I was to call out Miss Judy, you would think, oh, there's Marge that's in charge. No, you get these characteristics. You know, we have these jokes that we talk about. We laugh with one another. Um, you think about all those characteristics that come that's tied with the name. You think about Jerry or Brother Jerry. You think preacher. You think um, a little crazy. <laughs> uh, I was trying to tell our, our boy that we're babysitting this week, um, when you eat cookies, you can't be crazy, you have to be chill. And I'm not going to mention which um, elderly lady it was that said it, but she says, are you ever chill? <laughs> so I'm learning some things, but a name carries all this stuff. It helps you recognize or focus on something or someone particular. And I think this is true from the very beginning. If you think about God from the very beginning, when he created things, he gave them names. He said, let there be light. And then he said, the light shall be called day and the darkness shall be called night. There at the very beginning, God was giving names to his creation. You see, he calls the, the, the waters the seas. And you see this um, all, all throughout the, the creation account. And then immediately after that, you see Adam come along. And what does God give Adam the responsibility to do? Right off the bat, he gives him the responsibility to name all the animals. Talk about a task. Name every single animal. But the thing I love about that story there is, is that this is the first place we really see Adam kind of, or us, mankind even, take on the role of resembling God. Take on the role of mirroring or having the responsibility to be like God in a sense. We see that with Adam and he names all the animals. And so we, what a cool thing it is. And so I was thinking about names and... Uh, 
I wanted to share a story with you. I guess it was March of last year. We brought home a dog. And, uh, you know, um, we're, we, we never had dogs. We've never had kids. And so we had this big topic of what do you name this thing? And so we started talking through names. What are we going to name this dog? And, and uh, we said, well, our kids are going to have their names start with J's. And so we should just keep the tradition. So we started going through all these J names. And uh, we finally came on Josie. And we said, well, we'll, we'll name her Josie. And so we just did, and we went on, and we had a good time. It just flowed. It worked well. Well, here about maybe a month or two months ago, I was just sitting uh, there with Josie, and, and I said, Hey, Alexa, what does the name Josie mean? And she said, It is short for Jehoshaphine, which means in French, instead of some French stuff, I didn't know what that meant, but then she said in English, it means Jehovah will provide. God will provide, or the sense of Jehovah will add, not provide, but add, an addition. And it said specifically, in addition to the family. It says God is gracious, God will add. And I'm not going to lie to you, I almost was in tears when I heard her say that because me and Jacqueline was at a time in our life where we were struggling. We felt like our home was a little emptier than it should be. And of course we wanted children, but at that time we felt like God had, had a, a something else in mind, so we got a dog, right? That's what all um, people are supposed to do, start with the dog. And she's ruined, and so now I'm scared about our kids when we do have kids. But God used, and as crazy as it might sound, used that dog to fill a role in our lives and uh, give us joy, and, and uh, uh, we saw God's grace in that. And so I just thought about how important a name really is. Names are important, and so the next four weeks we're looking at the names of this born child. So Sunday mornings we're looking at the name. Sunday nights we're going to be praying that name or that characteristic of that name over our church and over these families. And Wednesday we'll get deeper into it and we'll um, do some application of what that means for us, just like we've been doing. And so looking forward to that. If you're in your Bibles at Isaiah chapter 9, that's where we're going to start here. Isaiah chapter 9. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, it's on the screens behind me. It says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zubalin and the land of Zaphtali, and, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is Isaiah, written 700 years before Christ. Listen to these words. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff over his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. Now that is a really eloquent way and a long-winded way of saying, hey, there will be peace. All of those sandals and the clothings that were used for war, you might as well take them and use them as a fire to fuel a fire because we will have no more war. Could you imagine these words, church? Don't we need those words today? A place of peace without war. That's what it's talking about here. Verse 6, if you're there, say amen. amen. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. 
And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name, catch it, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Heavenly Father, Lord, we um, seek your face uh, this moment, Lord. Lord, this is not just me as I'm communicating your word, Lord, and, and listening and heeding to your voice. But God, this is all of us corporately together today, Lord, saying, God, help us set aside distractions. Help us seek you, Lord Jesus. Lord, it's each one of us calling out and saying, Lord, during this season, this Christmas season, during this series even, Lord, over the next four weeks, God, may you make these words become a reality in our life, God. Lord, this is a hope that we need today. We need to know your mightiness. We need to know that you are our great and wonderful counselor. We need to know that you are the Prince of Peace, God, and an everlasting Father. Lord, these words that we read from the book of Isaiah, Lord, bring life to them, Lord. Show us who you are over these next couple weeks. Show us the name in which you are called day by day, Lord. Lord, we know that name is Jesus, the name above all names, Lord. But God, with that name carries so much weight. Let us dig into that just a little, Lord, today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So... Like I said, I love Christmas, um, and I would say I waited till December, but we're the kind of people that pretty much November comes around, the Christmas tree's getting up pretty soon, and uh, we, as soon as Halloween's over, we're ready, and so we're just excited about Christmas all the time, and I got to thinking this season, I was like, what is it that excites me so much? It's familiar stuff. We do it every year. We put up the same tree almost uh, in the similar situation. We put up a tree out here. We put up our tree right in the corner, right by the TV. And, and, and you know, we, we wrap the presents and we have this big day on Christmas. And sometimes we bake cookies and we uh, drink cider and all the different lights. And we think about all that. And I thought, what is it that really um, is really exciting me over this stuff? And it comes back to what I was just sharing at the beginning of today is, is Christmas represents Christ. And it's during this time that I feel close to Jesus. I can walk into a store and hear um, Jesus being sung about in Walmart of all places. <laughs> Isn't that awesome to y'all? Now, while it may not be um, um, genuine from the most part, it may be cultural sometimes, but you know what? It's genuine in my heart when I hear a song about Christ being proclaimed on speakers that's usually not being proclaimed. I have this extra zeal and excitement that comes up in my world. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think each one of us kind of deal with this a little bit. At some level, every one of us want the warmth, the joy, the security, the hope that comes with Christmas, don't we? I think at some level, every one of us wants those things. And so what better way than to look at this miracle God gifts us to a, a woman in Bethlehem that didn't even have a room to stay in? Could you imagine if we really understood who God really is? we understood what he really wanted for our lives, how much life would be different day by day. 
So let's dig into this just a little bit. I think that's the heartbeat behind what Isaiah is saying here. Isaiah, God's given Isaiah these words to say, I have a hope for you and your people. I have a joy for you and your people. I have a security and a warmth that's given, that's going to be given to you and your people. Same as us today. So instead of announcing it, though, a couple days ahead of time, God uses Isaiah to announce it 700 years before Jesus. Now that part always gets me. I'm like, God, are you really expecting these people that literally left Egypt and were already complaining before you bring them to their land to remember that you have a hope that you're giving them for 700 years? But that's not what it's about for God. God has said, I have given you a hope. From the beginning of time, there has been a hope that comes with the name of Jesus. And it's always been what we've looked forward to. And it's really what we look back to is the hope that we have in Christ. And I got to thinking as we read these words in Isaiah chapter 9. And you read those words unto us, a child has been born. And, and you think about that. These are words that tie us into this group here, Friendship Baptist Church. Here we are. That tie us into the last 2,700 years of people that have found hope in these exact same words. 2,700 years people have heard these words that says there's a child to be born. His name is a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Those are words we need to hear today just as they did then. But this is one of the 300 plus Old Testament prophecies that, that gets fulfilled in the New Testament. So we don't have to read it as just past tense. We can read it as, as a little different. In fact, let's look at verse 6 again. It says, for unto us, not only is a child to be born, but for unto us a child has been born. Unto us a son has been given. And yes, the government will be upon his shoulders. Ultimately it is now, but there's a day to come where here before us the government that we see will be on his shoulders. And his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so that brings me to the first point this morning. And that's that one of these names of the born child is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. My translation actually says wonderful and then it says counselor. But as you look at other passages, it ties them in so often right together. And in the Hebrew, it's not exactly clear. So I'm just going to call it wonderful counselor. And that's what I want to spend the rest of the time today looking at. And you know, Isaiah didn't, his book wasn't written in English. You all know that, right? It's written, wrote, written, wrote, whatever the word is, in Hebrew. I need to learn English. It was wrote in Hebrew and the words, and I love that we sung the Hebrew song today, Mark, because you got to see some of them words up there that are from the Hebrew language. This word, wonderful counselor, is peli yohetz. Peli yohetz. Peli is a word that simply means wonderful, like it's translated, but it goes beyond that. It, it's, it's used dozens of times in the, the Old Testament, and almost every single time it's referring to specifically what God is doing and can do, because it's something so special um, that, that literally is only up to him that he can do. And so it means marvelous or better than anyone could expect. Uh, the idea of, of it being something God does. In fact, Job says, he says that God performs wonders. There's the word. Wonders that cannot be fathomed. Miracles that cannot be counted. David says, you are great and do marvelous deeds. He says, you alone are God. This fact of marvelous. And so that's Paley. And then you have Yohetz. Yohetz means counselor. 
Now, when you hear the word counselor today, I think our mind goes to different places. When we think of a counselor today, we think of the modern age counselor in which you kind of sit in a, a chair or they're in a couch and you have someone across the, the table or the desk or something. They're asking you questions about how does that make you feel and different things like that. And they're getting to this inner root of problems and things. That, that's not what it's talking about. When we hear the word counselor referring to God, that's not it. Counselor is different. I'm not saying anything. It's just 150 years ago, that word completely took a new meaning when the science of psychology came out. And you have Sigmund Freud and all those guys. You see that it comes into something else. At this time, counselor was less of a therapist and more of a strategist. This person that, that helps you strategize, that, that gives you strategy. And so when you, you, you think about it, it would be like if you were going to war, you would go talk to a counselor. Uh, counsel me how, how I'm going to win this war. Or if you're going to do a political campaign, counsel me to, to see how I'd win this campaign or this business venture or whatever it is you're doing. That's the kind of counsel that we're talking about, a strategist. So really this idea of someone that's filled with wisdom, just letting us in on that wisdom. That's what we're getting at here. And so paleohets, let's think about how I can explain it. Unfathomable yet great and awesome guidance given from a great and wondrous guide. So when you hear that word, paleohets, or wonderful counselor, as you see on the screen back there, think of unfathomable yet great and awesome guidance from the great and wondrous God. You know, my life verse growing up was Psalms 32.8. It says, I'll teach you and instruct you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with my eye. I'll guide you with my eye. And every time I left the house, my stepdad would say, 32.8. 32.8, I knew exactly what it meant. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll guide you with my eye. From the time I was little and God was starting to reveal himself to me and show me who he was, I knew that he was my guide. Isn't that a blessing, church? To know that we have a guide, a wonderful guide. I knew that he was my guide. I, 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 and the more that he revealed himself to me, the more guidance I really realized that he'd given me. Psalms 119, 105, the word, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. And so, again, this idea of guidance. I wanted to share something with you all. This weekend we've been babysitting. And it's, it's called respite care. It's, it's babysitting in the foster system is what it really is. And so we've been babysitting. And, and uh, oh, it's been so sweet. It's been uh, the time of our lives. We took them. Carolyn, by the way, we all went Carolyn yesterday. We had a wonderful, blessed time. In fact, Miss Jeanette had a card I'm supposed to read to y'all, thanking y'all and saying that she's so, it lifted her up so much and she can't wait to get enough strength to come back. And so, um, but that was all across the board. Every person we visited almost put something on Facebook or something. So thankful. So thank y'all for doing that. He went with us and uh, he yelled at Miss Pauline. Miss Pauline said, what's your name? He said, Abel! <laughs> But it's probably good, wasn't it, Miss Pauline? You could hear him, couldn't you? And so when you think about this, and, and, and as I, we picked them up, here's the story I want to share with you. He said, can we listen to my favorite song? And we said, yeah, what's your favorite song, buddy? And he said, The God Who Stays. I said, okay, let's play it. And we put that on the phone, on the radio. And you've never heard a sweeter sound, church. The sound of a five-year-old boy who's been through what he's been through singing these words. If I were you, I would have given up on me by now. I would have labeled me a lost cause. 
because I just feel like a lost cause. He knows every word of this. If I were you, I would have turned around and walked away. I would have labeled me beyond repair because I feel like I'm beyond repair. Oh, but somehow you don't see me like I do. Somehow you're still here. You're the God who stays. You're the God who stays. And this time I I'm just got tears rolling as I'm listening to this boy. You're the one who, who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away. You're the God who stands with arms wide open and you tell me nothing I've ever done can separate my heart from the God who stays. He goes on and says, my shame can't separate. My guilt can't separate. My past can't separate. I'm yours forever. My sin can't separate. My scars can't separate. My failures can't separate. I'm yours forever. No enemy can separate. No power of hell can take away. Your love for me will never change. I'm yours forever. If that don't move you, church, I don't know what will. Are you telling me that God's not guiding that little boy right now? What a wonderful counselor God is. He said, well, can we play my second favorite song? And he said, yeah. What is it? He said, burn the ships. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> What's that? But you know what it is? It's from King and Country. I didn't know that. I was listening to it. It says, how did we get here? He knows this song, too, word for word, five years over. How did we get here? All cast away on a lonely shore. I can see your eyes, dear. It's hard to take for a moment more. We've got to burn the ships, cut the ties, send the flare in the night, say a prayer, turn the tide, dry your tears and wave goodbye. Step into a new day. We can rise up from the dust and walk away. We can dance upon our heartache. Yeah, so like a match, leave the past, burn the ships, don't look back, don't let it arrest you. The fear is fear of falling again. And if you need a refuge, I will be right here until the end. Are you telling me God's not counseling? That little boy? Okay, he said, my favorite third song. I said, okay, buddy, and this one will really get you. The spiritual ties in this song. Here it is. This is baby shark doot doot to doot to doot doot. Baby shark doot doot to doot. Daddy shark doot doot to doot to doot doot doot. And then my favorite part, it's the end doot doot to doot 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 doot. It's... <laughs> Oh, my goodness. In all seriousness, though, church, in all seriousness, what a wonderful counselor our Lord is. What a wonderful counselor. The second point this morning is Jesus walked on earth as a wonderful counselor. Not only is this wonderful counselor promised, not only is he named counselor, but he acted as the wonderful counselor. Jesus walked on earth as the wonderful counselor. In fact, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. And I just want to read through some counsel of the Lord because I, I just encouraged me as I was listening and reading through some of the Gospels and, and thinking about his counsel. Because if we're going to call him a counsel and we're going to call him a wonderful counselor. What kind of counsel did he give? And this is the part that really gets me kind of interested because it's not the counsel that you would think is good counsel sometimes. Read through the Gospels. You think, Jesus, did you really just tell him that? And that's kind of the, the way it works sometimes. Look at Luke 8, and this is where he restores a man's life um, who'd been tormented by demons for a long period of time. And I don't have this on here, and I'm actually using a different translation than normal. But read with me. It's It's simple. So this, this guy has literally been demon-possessed all this time, and then Jesus literally uh, delivers him from that. And, and, and so by the time he's starting to realize what's going on in verse 38, so chapter 8 of Luke, verse 38, if you're there, say amen. amen. It says, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. Now that's understandable, isn't it? 
I mean, if you were a demon-possessed man and you literally had been tormented and tortured all your life and this man just comes out of nowhere and says, be freed and, and delivered from it, and then all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I'm, I'm free, I'm delivered. Can I go with you? <laughs> it's pretty normal, I would think. And you would think, what's the right counsel in this situation? Well, if I was a teacher, I'd probably be thinking, um, this might work out. He could testify of what's happened. We could show the scars and where he was, and now look at what, what this Jesus guy has done. We could tell everybody. In fact, he could kind of take on some bags and help lighten the load a little bit. Let's take this guy with us. But that's not what the counsel of this wonderful counselor says. You look at verse 39, it says, But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. He says, Go home and tell him what the Lord has done. That's what we talked about last week, y'all remember? As a family, talk about what the Lord has done. He tells them, go home and talk about what he's done for you. And so while that's kind of different counsel, we go on to the next part, chapter 8, verse 40. It says immediately here next, it says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. And the next verse, 41, says, There's a man named Jarius, a ruler of the synagogue, and he came and fell at the feet of Jesus, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about 12 years old, was dying. So let's pause this for a moment. Think about Jarius' head real quick. His only daughter, 12 years old, she's dying, and he sees this Jesus, probably caught wind of him delivering this person, knowing that he's got all this wondrous ability and, and, and mighty Jesus that he is, and he says, uh, my daughter, will you come? And Jesus starts coming. And so what hope that he would have and, and excitement that he would have. And then you go on to verse 42. It says, and as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And so I'm thinking, this Jarius guy's probably like, um, Jesus, I know we're slowing down, but can we really pick up the pace? Like, she's really sick, Jesus. Can we go? Imagine that's where his mind's at. But then you look at what happens in verse 43. It says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. What's she doing there? Well, she's heard about the wondrous counsel of Jesus and what he can do, so she's there. Next verse, 44, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. What just happened? The hope that she had that this Jesus guy would heal her happened. And it says that she reached out and grabbed the, the cloak or the, the, the garment there. And, and I don't know if uh, there's a lot of research that says there's a lot of emphasis there. And, and she thought that just touching it would work. But but. If that was it, or maybe it was just her trying to get Jesus' attention to tell him what was going on, whatever's happening here, it, she touches, and then before Jesus even turns around, she's well. <laughs> Isn't that awesome, the touch of Jesus? She turns around, and, and Jesus said in verse 45, Who touched me? He asked. And at this time, I imagine this leader, this religious leader, Jarius, is like, We don't have time for this, Jesus. <laughs> we got to get to my daughter. Who cares who touched you? And that's kind of the response when they all denied it. Peter said in verse 45, Master, the people are crowding who pressed you. In other words, he's saying anybody could have touched you. They probably don't even know themselves if they touched you. But oh, did this person know? And it says in verse 46, But Jesus said, Someone had touched me. I know the power has gone from me. The woman, Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. And she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And so we see the next verse in 48. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And, and I got to thinking, why is it going through the story? Why is this side story really in here? And I, I got to thinking... 
a regular counselor would be like, you're healed. Go and enjoy it. Go, go and, 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 and be blessed. But no, Jesus was a little different. He said, I'm not done with you yet. He says, my daughter, your faith has made you healed. He was worried about her heart. Isn't that awesome how Jesus does work miraculously physically? He does. Can I get an amen for that? But does it not stop there? It goes further. And he says, I'm worried about your heart. And he's the one, if we're going to call him a wonderful counselor, he's one that guides the heart, guides it to become new, to take the spirit and come in and to start listening and hearing and obeying the Lord. What a blessing it is. And so we see Jesus is up to something here. It's not all quite normal. But then in this time, I mean, Jairus is probably thinking, um, this is, this is ending bad. This is rough. And in fact, his nightmare comes true in verse 49. He says, while Jesus was still speaking, someone came to the house of Jarius, came from the house of Jarius, the synagogue ruler, said, your daughter is dead. And he said, don't bother the teacher anymore. So Jarius is watching this Jesus work all around him. But, but at this time, it's, um, I don't see any wonderfulness of this guy. He's been slacking the whole way after he told me he was going to help me and He's been messing around with people grabbing his garment. and I, I don't see anything wonderful here. But then the words of Jesus, the unfathomable yet great and awesome counsel. <laughs> Listen, hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. What? Look at verse 51. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing or crying and mourning for her. And he said, stop wailing. She's not dead, but asleep. You think, what kind of counsel is this? The girl's dead, and he's telling us to believe. What kind of counsel? And, they, and imagine how they respond. In fact, it says they laughed at him. They knew he was dead. Imagine the parents here, the father of seeing his, his daughter who is it's a dead corpse in front of him. And Jesus said, just believe. We, we read over that as if it was a simple thing. <laughs> he was telling him, no, just believe. And then we see he takes her by the hand in verse 54 and said, my child, get up. And her spirit returned. And at once she stood up. Now, if you're Jarius at this moment, I'm thinking, whoa. You know, now this isn't a story of saying you just have to believe it enough for it to come true. That's not what this passage is saying. This passage is an account of walking with Jesus as he's going through with specific people, showing his glory. And we see what happens here is this man is watching this. He watches the dead corpse of his daughter literally rise. Could you imagine what's going through this man's mind right now? What in the world? How wonderful, how marvelous, how amazing is the counsel of this guy? Flip just like that. And the truth is, is we all have this miracle through Christ. The dead corpse of Christ that hung on a cross before all of them that was watching. And there's all the different things of, oh, was he really dead? And all of it's disproven by a long shot. It's proven, it's legit, it's 100% accurate that Jesus was dead on the cross, but we get the miracle of the Easter morning where Jesus raises. That's a miracle we all participate in, that we see, and if Christ is real in your life and has revealed himself to you, it's a miracle that you have lived because he has done it to your own soul. Praise God, church. What wonderful, marvelous counsel 
is this wondrous God, this wonderful, wondrous guide. Let me end this. Point number three, before the born child returns to the heavenly father, of course, he's older now. He's done, went through the cross, done, um, raised from the dead, and he ascends to the Father. But before he does that, he promises to remain the wonderful counselor. I don't have this on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you. John chapter 14 says this in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the fa- to the Father and will give you another helper. This is Jesus speaking. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Talking about wondrous counsel. The spirit of truth whom the word, the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. So here we have Jesus is the wonderful counselor says it very clearly from Isaiah 9 on. You can keep reading. He's the wonderful counselor. But he's leaving. He's departing in this way that he was on earth. He's leaving to be back with the Father and will return again one day. But in the meantime, he says, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you without counsel. And I'm not leaving you without wondrous counsel. In fact, he says, this will be even better than having me here because Jesus on earth had limitations. We often think, well, I wish we could go back to the time we could walk with Jesus on earth. Well, Y'all realize there's like 7 billion people in the world and he can only be around physically those people that he's with and, and we would probably never even see Jesus if he was walking on earth right now. So he says, I'm sending someone far better, the Holy Spirit, who is God himself who would dwell in you and will never leave you. You always have access to, you're talking about a wonderful counsel. One that dwells in us, the Holy Spirit who reminds us of the words of Jesus. Again, pointing back to Jesus. 700 years before the babe was born, God said, my son is going to be a counselor like no one else has ever seen. 2,000 years after Jesus has died and raised and ascended into heaven, we have the Holy Spirit that's still active saying, I'm going to show you this wonderful counsel. My hope that as you've come this morning, and really through this series, as we look at these different names of the babe of Jesus, my hope is a couple things. One thing, I hope that as you look at the manger this season, That you cannot look at it without just being in wonder and amazement. If we're going to call him wonderful counselor, when you look at the manger, think about the wondrous counselor that it represents. The one that we can lean in on. The one that we can, can, can yield to and hear. The Holy Spirit that redirects us back to this Jesus. In fact, when you see a manger, maybe you stop and say, Lord, thank you for your wonderful counselor. If there's something that our world needs today, it's the counsel of Jesus. If there's something that my life needs today, it's the counsel of Jesus. The wisdom that comes from him. Second thing is that we would lean into that counsel. Not only thank him for being it, providing it, and giving it, but we would lean in each day to this counsel of the Lord. And maybe that happens for the first time. Maybe today you're thinking, never really thought about Jesus as a wonderful counselor. I've just kind of thought of him as God, man, and and all the things we hear about. But I never really thought about the counsel that he provides and the greatest counsel of him saying, I want to give you a new heart today. Just believe. Believe. I've already provided everything out of my grace. Believe through faith and be saved today. Maybe that's 
his words to you, or maybe you have a relationship with him and you hear his counsel and you've just been struggling with the courage to heed to it. Maybe today you say, you know, Lord, I've heard your word. I've read it. I've heard it. I know it, but I'm not listening. And today I want to listen because I know it's wonderful counsel. Will you seek the wondrous, unfathomable, yet marvelous counselor today? So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you all to stand as I pray and then we can uh, sing this song. But more so, I want you to respond with your heart, just like the lady didn't just walk away. Jesus wanted more. He wanted to speak to her heart. May he speak to your heart today. Father God, as we all stand around this room, Lord, Lord, may that be a statement of saying, I want to hear you, Lord. May that be a statement, Lord, of of saying, uh, yes, I've seen the baby manger. I, I know what it represents. I know the story of the cross, but it has not been made real to me. And I want it to be real, Lord. Lord, I know if that's the cry of any here today, Lord, your grace is going to show up mightily and wrap around that heart, Lord. And you're going to restore it and make it new. And so, Lord, I pray that as we sing, if someone wants to walk down and talk with me, Lord, I can give counsel, God, but it will simply be leading them to the great wondrous counselor that you are, Lord. Lord, if you want to to, uh, just let them get out of their pews and come to a seat there by the the cross, Lord, and and just to say, "I, I, I want something different. I want you, Lord. May we make that move today, Lord. May this December be a December where we say, yes, Lord. We see the hope, the joy, the warmth, the comfort, the security that comes with knowing Jesus is real. Lord, fill us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. of the Lord. I pray that as you leave today, you would lean in to the wondrous counsel of the Lord. Just like our little five-year-old that we've had all weekend, 
And the way God is guiding and counseling that young boy, he wants to guide and counsel you.